Hey everyone, this is Van, and this is a special edition of Church Tech Profiles. There's not going to be any intro music or any introduction other than this. I was going to release this week a kind of a compilation of a bunch of interviews that Mike and I and myself had done with Andrew Stone as last week it was his birthday. I'm recording this on Monday, April the 19th, 2021. Instead, yesterday on the 18th, I was shocked to find out that Rick Muchow had passed away. If you don't know who Rick Muchow is, I'm kind of going to tell you. Most notably, he was the worship pastor for so many years, several decades, at Saddleback Church from 1987 to 2012. Most of all, he was my friend, and I worked for him, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. But yesterday, he passed away from a rare form of brain cancer, and as you can tell by my voice, I'm a little taken aback by it and don't exactly know how to process it yet. It's still pretty fresh. So I wanted to get this out here on my platform and tell you a little bit about a guy who really impacted my life, especially in serving the church. He was kind of fundamental as one of the first people that I worked under in a church. So let me just tell you a little bit about Rick. He was born in 1957 in Southern California, and his mom and he moved to New York for a while, lived in Greenwich Village. Then he moved back here to California, and while he was in college, he did a Godspell in musical theater, toured with them for a while. In and amongst that time, he became a Christian, and uh, he had always been a musician from the time he was small, so he took his musical talents and really pushed them towards ministry. In 1987, he was asked to be on staff at Saddleback Church as their worship pastor, at the time, Saddleback was pretty small, and Rick Warren had only started it several years before that. As I said, he left in 2012 as the worship pastor there. But in that time, obviously, Saddleback exploded in growth and became more than just a church. It became a movement. Rick Warren went on to spawn two books that impacted the church greatly, The Purpose Driven Church and The Purpose Driven Life. I'll let you investigate that. That's not really why I'm doing this podcast today. Rick has an amazing wife, Laura, who he was married to for 36 years. And they have five kids, Brandon, Megan, Nolan, Jordan, and Logan. And one of those, of course, they lost last year, which I'm not going to go into that. Um, you can you can find that out online. 
on social media. As I said, three years ago, he found out he had a rare form of brain cancer. And um, I'll talk a little bit about that here coming up. I met Rick, I think about 1991, 92, when I was working at an AV integrator slash live event company called PT Pro Sound and Electronics here in Southern California. I had been introduced to him by the technical director there, Ken Robertson, who if you've listened to anything I've ever done, know that Ken was and is one of my mentors, friends, kind of a dad figure, even though he's not that much older than I am. We did a lot of events for Saddleback and started doing more and more events for them. We did their Easter sunrise services and just different stuff. We did their Easter services when they did big giant tents. When they got on their property that they are on now, their main campus at Lake Forest, the company I worked for, we actually did the sound system in the infamous tent, if you know anything about the history of Saddleback. When they finally got on the property that they're on now, they had this tent that they had purchased from the vineyard churches, John Wimber's church. And I don't even remember how many it's set now, but we did the sound system in there. We also did a lot of live events for them. And that's, that's kind of how I got to know Rick. In, 1996, I believe, um, when PT Pro Sound closed, um, they asked me, uh, Ken and Rick asked me to come on staff at Saddleback and be their front of house engineer and kind of take care of audio. And in the time I was there, I watched the church grow from 11,000 to probably 16,000, 17,000 in attendance. And it was still just on one campus at that time it's before they had multi done multi-site in those years I was kind of spoiled because you know a lot of live sound engineers that are in church they started a smaller church and they kind of worked themselves up well I had come out of the live sound industry and gone to Saddleback and I got to work with just a bunch of amazing people Rick being at the top of that list. Rick was an amazing worship leader and he really taught me how to do a lot of things in church and how to deal with people in church. He was also a incredibly, as I said before, accomplished musician and even though I didn't always like the style of the music that we were doing I was always proud and appreciative of his excellence and how good he was at a as a musician and a worship pastor one of the cool things about him as a worship pastor is he could lead a room of the the room that we were in were three, was 3000 seats and he could lead that room through a very intimate quiet moment with just his acoustic guitar of which he was an excellent acoustic guitar player or he could run around the stage 
uh, with a microphone leading them in just this raucous, joyous, uh, rock pop, uh, total 80s, 90s sounding anthem um, and get people on their feet and everything in between. My my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's um, 30 now, she remembers him. She used to, I think she used to call him the, the, uh, wild, the wild, bald guy running around on the stage or something like that. I don't even remember, but, uh, she always loved watching him lead worship as she was growing up. I, in that job, I had the, the pleasure of meeting a lot of accomplished and famous musicians and who I'm not even going to go into, they rolled through Saddleback that Rick had on stage leading worship with him or highlighting their talent, talking about their story and their journey with God. Rick was the most encouraging person I've ever met. I mean, his everything was about encouragement. He had a, he had a record label called encouraging music and he was 99.9% of the time positive about everything. Of course there were issues. Of course there were things he didn't like. He wanted changed, but he was always positive about it. And sometimes, you know, as the cynical, dark kind of personalities, passive-aggressive personalities that we are as technicians and, and the like, that would frustrate me. But as I look back on it now, I'm certainly glad that he was always a positive influence. I will never forget when I was asked to just come and mix a couple of services. I wasn't on staff. This was 1996 and PT pro sound had closed and I was just kind of wondering what I was going to do. And I came and mixed a couple of services and, uh, I wasn't, I don't even think I'd really been presented with a job offer, but Rick came up to me after the service and said, Hey man, so glad you're going to be on our team. Gave me a big hug and walked away. And I looked at Ken Robertson and Ken just kind of shrugged his shoulders. And I think Rick knew something I didn't know. So a couple months later, you guys have all heard the story, so I won't belabor it. I was mixing all the services for Easter. I think there were 11 or 16 or whatever. I don't remember at the time how many we did. But uh, he knew that I was going to be on staff, and I didn't know that I was going to be on staff. In fact, I tried not to be, but he knew. So I spent the next five years on staff mixing services with him and literally mixed thousands of events, literally thousands of events with him leading. Traveled with him and Rick Warren um, for Purpose Driven Church. Did lots of other things at other events, other places with Rick. Uh, one story that I re- always remember is we were doing a purpose-driven 
church for a uh, event for pastors. It was a pastors conference, and it was in Brazil. It was in Rio. And when we got there, um, they had a all Brazilian band, and it was just Rick. And I think Rick brought a couple of musicians here from the United States, but for the most part, it was all bands from Rio. And I remember the first sound check, and it was like, it was literally like 110 degrees, really humid, and they didn't turn the air conditioners on in the 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 concert hall or the events hall that we were at. There was no air conditioning. They just opened up these big doors and they had fans, and you know it was just sweltering hot. We did this sound check, and it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And um, sorry, I'm really not editing this, so. I have to take a drink here. My apologies. It was just not sounding good. In fact, it just sounded terrible. <laughs> and I remember motioning to Rick and he came out to the front of house. And I remember saying to him, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. This, I, I can't, I can't bring this together. And I, and I saw that he was struggling with the musicians on stage and it wasn't just a language barrier. I mean, we had a translator. She was amazing. And she had helped bring all these, musicians together they were all amazing people they were great the, the the crew was great um the sound company loudness uh that we had hired was awesome they're just amazing people and uh but it was it was just not coming together so rick said okay i'll 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 figure something out so he had the band he said you know what we're going to go eat and then we're going to go rehearse so they found a place i don't remember what it was where it was and he took the entire band and they went and rehearsed that night uh, myself and and Dirk who was with me who was one of the amazing volunteers that was at Saddleback forever he um he and I went back to the hotel and we ate, I think we ate dinner and went to bed we were so tired it was it was just exhaust that trip was so exhausting and uh the next day we came back in the morning and had another sound check and it was like the band had been playing with Rick for 20 years. I, I was blown away. I was able to bring the mix up so quickly because everybody was so tight and everybody was just right on every single song. Everybody knew exactly what their parts were. Everybody knew exactly what their solos were and everybody from the drummer all the way to the singers were just tight and on it and, and, and it was like he had been rehearsing with them for, you know, a month, but it was just one night. And I'll never forget how impressed I was. And, and that, that was just such an amazing gift that Rick had. He could bring musicians together. He could tell musicians what he wanted in a way that they understood what he was trying to get. Um, that is a gift. I've worked with hundreds of worship leaders, thousands of musicians. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, seems like it, but I've rarely seen somebody that has a gift like Rick Machow had. Um, not just that he was encouraging and amazing, but he could get people to sing what he wanted them to sing. He could get people to play what he wanted them to play and he would bring it out of them just in an amazing way. I um 
he and I kind of had a unspoken sign language that I can't really even explain to this day, but we developed it because at Saddleback, we didn't have a onstage monitor engineer. In fact, Rick didn't like having an onstage monitor engineer because he didn't like having to look to the side. He went to look directly at front of house. In fact, when Saddleback added a monitor desk at front of house, it was actually at front of house. Like I just said, it wasn't over on the side. It was actually at front of house. So the monitors and the main console were both at front of house. So he could look at the monitor engineer. Um, but I mixed while I was there, I mixed monitors from front of house and this was old school. You know, this was back in the day where we had wedges. There wasn't in ears that came later, but he and I had sign language and looks and, you know, I always, we would always joke that there were the five, Rick had the five things and the five things were what he would do in any given situation. And I just had to kind of learn that, you know. I always knew that there was a good possibility that he was going to go to a sax solo or guitar solo or whatever. And that depended upon the musicians that were on the stage too. But after you do that many services with somebody, you, you kind of get that vibe. And even years later when I worked with them, uh, I haven't worked with him for a little while. And then when I was at Magnolia church, he came uh, and wasn't really interim worship pastor, but he led a bunch uh, went in between uh, the two worship pastors they were that they had in between Mark and Bo. And so I got to work with them while I was there right before I left and went uh, before I left there and I went to CCI solutions. And um, so it was, but it was just fun because the minute we got up back on stage, he and I were there and it was just like old times, uh, you know, and, and a couple uh years after that, he asked me to go and do the national worship leader conference in um, St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it was exactly the same way. It was just like we'd been together all the time. I've mixed, I probably mixed for Rick more than any other single person. And I will miss him leading worship while I was mixing period. As I said, he and I didn't always see eye to eye on the style of music or anything like that, but that didn't matter because the commitment to excellence and the commitment to the Lord that this man had was infectious. Um, and he was a honest, trustworthy, good man who loved his family, who loved his friends who loved the Lord and he honestly wanted to see people come to um, come to a relationship with Jesus. As I said, he left Saddleback uh, in uh, 2012 and after that he led worship in probably hundreds of churches after that all over the place, going in and helping churches fix some problems that they had in their worship ministry or whatever, even though he, he literally led worship for probably hundreds of thousands of people at Saddleback and Saddleback events. Then he went and helped the church, um, individually Saddleback has always helped the church, but he went and helped the church individually helping individual ministries. 
And uh, obviously I have a heart for that as well. In the last years, he was one of the one of the professors or adjuncts at Cal Baptist University in their music department. Mm, he was pretty influential in, in making some big changes there. Obviously, the last three years have been up and down for him as he got cancer and he had his good moments and his bad. But he continued to, you know, he continued to lead and affect people and and yeah i don't even know what to say it, i i haven't really processed the whole thing obviously as you can tell by my voice so godspeed rick you are loved you have made a huge impact you are one of the people that has literally affected probably thousands of worship pastors and worship leaders encouraged them, mentored them, let them cry on your shoulder and all those things. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. I, uh, I just needed to get this. I kind of need to get this out there. You are loved. You are cared about. I know that what you guys do out there is tough and it's a hard job, but you are loved and there, there is, there is meaning in what you do. Anyway, have a great week. Um, there will be another podcast here in another week or so. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.